pay no attention to me. Okay. <laughs> That's going to hurt the podcast. Nobody has rabies. Nobody talks about rabies. Nobody bites anybody. appearance i think by the clash on the podcast here that is that right be true yeah <gasps> first time but a perfect time to be rocking the casbah as we look at our favorite middle eastern horror films welcome this is the fright club podcast i'm george wolf i'm hope madden and we are from madwolf.com and we're back as we are once a month doing it live at the gateway film center right on high street in columbus ohio for this month's edition of Fright Club Live, and it's, it's going to be a good one, but boy, I tell you, we got a tough act to follow after last month. <laughs> that was fun. It was. It was. We got, uh, we got, uh, we got Greasy with the Greasy Strangler, <laughs> and it was the best It was the best crowd we've ever had. It was. Which, to tell you the truth, I kind of expected yeah. with a movie like that, and the word just kind of was getting out, and the, you know, the movie is so crazy and is so fun, as you've said many times. To see with a crowd. Exactly. That, uh, that I, I, I'm not surprised that happened. So thanks to everybody that came out. It was a blast. And then we followed that up on Halloween. Right. With the best non-Halloween Halloween movies. Yeah, non... Non-franchise. Non-franchise. Because everybody watches the Halloween movies, of sure. course. And so we wanted to throw some other out that were trick-or-treat related. Yeah. And that went over pretty well, actually. It did. I was a little bit surprised. Paul from the B-Movie Bros. B-Movie Paul. He was really happy about it. Monty, our friend Monty, who won the hat last time, he was happy to see Murder Party in particular. <laughs> He's our friend, but as soon as he won that hat, he was no one else's no, friend. No, he was no one else's friend. He's that guy that won the hat. Uh, Mike was really happy that Trick or Treat was number one. A lot of people were, yeah. Gets from, a lot of love. Columbus, for, Ohio filmmaker. Yes. It gets a lot of love for good reason, and it was it was nice that it was able. I mean, we didn't put it at number one just because of that. We oh, really no, like it's, it. It's absolutely a brilliant and gorgeous to look at movie and very, very clever. But it was a nice way to give it some love, which I yeah. don't, has it made any other of our podcasts? yet. <laughs> yet. Not yet. Teaser. Also, uh, Malcontent, Aussie correspondent Corey Mecca, he wanted to see Satan's Little Helper on there because he says it's a guilty pleasure. Is it? Have you seen that? I have seen it. Yeah, no, I don't care for it. <laughs> <laughs> There you if go, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff. Yeah, that was uh, that was last, well, two weeks ago. That was last podcast. Mm-hmm, the last podcast. Uh, for Fright Club. So now we look ahead to Middle Eastern horror, and this is one I know you're, you're excited about because it's another area that doesn't get a lot of attention. It doesn't, and, and I think that is primarily because there really hasn't, there's been very, very little output from the region in this kind of cinematic genre. Until recently, until the last few years. The first one I was aware of was a movie called Hell's Ground, which is from like the, the, the early 2000s out of Pakistan. And um, I watched it at the time because I had, it was the world's first Pakistani horror film. So that was exciting. And then that's what made me realize I've never seen an Israeli horror film. I've never seen an Iranian horror film. I've never seen an Iraqi horror film. Like, I've never seen any horror films out of this, out of this area of the world. And Hell's Ground is not a great movie. Thanks, Trump. <laughs> but it's and it's it's just an interesting mishmash of existing horror tropes. You got a lot of it's a slasher movie. There's a little Texas Chainsaw Massacre thrown in, but it takes it takes a lot of the really not cliched but but very common elements. You know the 
you, you're, you're lost, you're in the middle of nowhere, you get scary directions from somebody on the you know, side of the road, only it's, it's very Muslim. Like, that, you know, they're the, the people that they stop and talk to wonder, like, where are you going to go for sundown prayers? And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. It's yeah. fascinating. As a horror film, it doesn't hold together that very well. But it's like a, a, a look into a culture and the way that the exact same ideals can be used with this different lens I thought was fascinating. And then a couple years ago, I reviewed a movie called Jerusalem with a Z, which was filmed. It, it's a first-person, you know, LaFound footage. <laughs> But it was filmed actually in the Holy City, which I thought was kind of yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, it's not a good movie. I would, I would watch Hell's Ground first because it's more interesting. But I just thought the whole thing was, was really interesting. So there have been, and there will be more and more, horror films that came out to come out of that area of the world as censorship lifts in certain countries and as films are just easier and less expensive to make. Like really the first area, genre, that, that filmmakers tend to, tend to make movies in is horror because of the return on investment. People right. just watch horror movies. You can make them inexpensively and a lot of people will watch them. So that's usually very often where novice filmmakers start. So it's exciting, I think, because I feel like we're going to see a lot more. Yeah, and so for obvious reasons, all the movies on our list here are pretty recent Yes, because of the reasons you just talked about. So any other rules or anything to run down before we get to it? No rules. Uh, no rules. <laughs> Grab hold of something. This is going to get nuts. All right, so we'll start with a movie from 2010 out of Israel. A brother and sister who run away from home find sanctuary in a deserted nature reserve. When the sister falls into the trap of a psychopathic killer, the brother sets out on a race against time to find help. It's called Rabies. So this is not the movie that we're going to see on the big screen tonight, but it is done by the same filmmakers that did that movie that we're going to talk about a little farther up the countdown. As I said, this is just from seven years ago, and it's actually thought of as Israel's first ever horror movie. Pay no attention to me. Okay. (laughs) That's going to hurt the podcast. I like this movie a lot, and I think uh, one of the things, and you can see it in a couple, I think, of the shots from the trailer, it's really filmed quite well. Uh, the shot right toward the end there before my, for whatever happened, just happened, where there's a tree kind of separate, tree close up separating these two characters, but you can see the one dragging his leg and his um, shovel in the direction of the other man. I think it's, there's a lot of really well-framed, creepy moments in this movie. It's called rabies. Guess why? I'm asking because I have no idea. <laughs> there are no rabies involved in this movie. Nobody has rabies. Nobody talks about rabies. Nobody bites anybody. I have no idea why this movie is called Rabies. There is a dog, but he seems quite nice and healthy. I don't know. So uh, well, the film basically kind of follows three different storylines as they intersect inside the woods, which, as we all know, if you go into the woods, you're just asking for this. You're just asking to be murdered, mercifully. Especially if you're running through the woods in little tennis skirts. Yeah, that's a bad idea. <laughs> it not, is a bad you're idea. You're not dressed for the woods, honey. No, 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 you're not. So each of the groups of people who, who enter the woods, they all have their own storyline. And to a certain degree, they have their own 
style of horror film that follows them in, which is one of the things I do think is interesting about this, is yeah. that the way the things interconnect, it's really, it's not just three different sort of groups of people in the same story. It's three completely different storylines and in a lot of ways different horror-type films. And the, the way they intersect, I think, is very interesting. The performances are really good. Almost different homages to certain types yes. of horror films, yeah. Yeah, especially Lior Ashkenazi. Lior Ashkenazi. Nice. I've pr- tried that like nine times. Very nice. Um, who also is the lead in Big Bad Wolves. So as George mentioned, it's the same filmmakers and then and obviously at least one actor that they like to work with repeatedly. And he's really, really good in both films at being sort of charming and funny and so wrong. Like, <laughs> just so wrong. More so in this one. You're charmed by him, and at the same time, he's a horrible, horrible, soulless man. And he's not the worst person in the movie. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's just, I mean, it's really, it's quirky. All of the characters get the opportunity to have their own individual personalities, which I like very much. The interaction among the characters is very fun and, and somewhat authentic. There's a fascinating use of landmines, which I'm all for because that doesn't happen that often. It's worth it. It's not, it's flawed, but, but it's, it's a good one to check out. And that's a good start to the countdown. Number five, it's Rabies. From 2010 out of Israel. Moving up to number four, it's from Turkey uh, from 2015, just a couple of years ago. A squad of unsuspecting cops goes through a trapdoor to hell when they stumble upon a black mass in an abandoned building. It's Baskin. Welcome to Have you seen this movie? Have you guys seen Baskin? Yeah, boy. That's one we were strongly recommending as soon as we saw it. Yeah, just a real, real hellish trip. And, of course, you can't unsee that main character. The The, the movie is so based around the, the father character. Uh, he's just a, a very unforgettable presence in an acting debut. Yes. So what he reminded me of was is it's Michael Berryman, right? In a way, Sure. Sort the of hills have the, eyes. right yeah. the way that that Michael Berryman, when he when that that look when mm-hmm. that character was introduced in the hills have eyes, you didn't even give a shit about anybody else in the entire movie. You're like, where did he go? What's going on with that man right yeah. there? You know, and that's what this was like. Except that this was really kind of the lead, really performance. This was the you know, and it, it's such a charismatic performance and such a bizarre, fascinating presence on screen. And then his helper monkey, that sort of with the hair <laughs> loved that human that thing as well yeah the, the the character father is played by a guy named Mehmet Sarah Hoglu I believe I hope I pronounced that somewhat correctly and uh, yeah director Cam Evernall which this is his feature debut right and he was looking for actors with very unique appearances and Mehmet has a very rare skin condition and he and uh, the director was shown his picture and thought right away that's that's the guy I want and allowed him really a lot of input on the character and the story for a, a novice. And I think, boy, it paid off because he is just unforgettable. He really is. And it, it's a fascinating movie no matter what. And it's one of those, you know, it's one of those movies where 
the characters can't get out of what they've gotten themselves into no matter what they do, which is really night, like literally nightmares. Like it's a very calm, I have this nightmare that I'm in Tiffin and I can't get out. It happens all the time. <laughs> um, so it's a really common uh, recurring theme. And also, of course, they actually take you to hell in this movie, which I think is hard to pull off. Right. I mean, because everybody has their own imagination of what hell is like. And the more you articulate it, Mm -hmm. the farther you're going to get from what your viewer thinks it is. And so one of the things that they do so brilliantly here is everything is happening just outside your line of vision. It's dark. It's shadowy. Nothing is really clearly articulated. Everything, though, seems so wrong, so horrible. Pregnancies, really, they just zip past. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take nearly as long to gestate there than no, it, does, it does here. Th- that's a really good point because a lot of other films that have tried to depict heaven mm-hmm. have an equally, maybe even a tougher time mm-hmm. to try to do that. And it's really, really risky to try to articulate what people might envision for themselves on screen. You're absolutely right. And one of the, uh, the few of the movies that uh, the director had... Uh, Mehmet, the actor that plays Father, watched to get into the mood of this movie were A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Hellraiser, Apocalypse Now, and The Descent. Oh, to yeah. Trying to give him an idea of what nice. he was going for. Yeah, I love all. I mean, that's, a, that's just an, it's a, it's a good sort of yeah. study guide. Yeah, very I much think. so. You know, one of the things right from the very beginning, the very beginning, it's got this sort of 80s horror film feel about it where the kid opens a door and it's like this door to nowhere and there's this nightmare happening. And I didn't think I was going to care for the movie, but then very quickly, with the whole diner scene, there's this, there's a, there's a, a strange meat fixation yes. with this movie that I think serves it really well because it's very just vulgar and, and unseemly and just nasty. And also I like that the cop characters are drawn fairly dimensionally. None of them are particularly good people, but they also aren't that this one-dimensional evil that you're waiting for something bad to happen to them. I just like the seediness about the entire effort and think that, especially for somebody who's never made a movie before, what a, what a huge undertaking to really yeah. decide, I'm going to take people into hell in my first time out. But and, and another interesting aspect about the policeman characters is that each of them has is displayed at various times in the movie committing deadly sins. Right. So you can imagine where that might put them mm-hmm. uh, in the course of this movie. So that's one we were really impressed by. Uh, from 2015 out of Turkey, it's Baskin at number four on our list. And at number three in our Middle Eastern horror list is one from Israel in 2013. And it's the one that we're going to see tonight. A series of brutal murders puts the lives of three men on a collision course. It's called Big Bad Wolves. Okay, we've stepped away into the empty theater, as we always do, to talk about the movie we're going to show tonight, so we don't spoil anything. And it's Big Bad Wolves, and as we mentioned, before, it's the same filmmakers that did Rabies, that was our number five movie, and it's Aaron Kashalis and Navrat Papashado, and I'm sure I just mangled those names, so I apologize, but we want to give them credit because this is good stuff here. They've got two films on our list, and this one is an even better example of their storytelling talent. 
It is, and both of them are credited with co-writing and co-directing, so yeah. it's not like one does one and one does the other. They've definitely stepped up, the, stepped up their game. Rabies was very enjoyable and interesting, but this is a piece of master storytelling. Visually and performance and the way it's written, it's just a, it's a phenomenal film. Yeah, what it, what it boils down to is a cop and a distraught father basically torturing someone they think is a killer to get information. And as they turn the screws on him, the film turns up its screws as well and starts making some nice comments about different things. And I like little touches, like uh, there's a part in the movie where someone mistakes someone for someone else. And that's a nice little sly comment Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. maybe this is what the torturers are doing. Oh, exactly. You know, I like that. And I think all of the performances are so strong so that regardless of who the character is and what kind of man he's playing, every so often you side with him. Every so often you side against him. And what I think is interesting is that very often the characters themselves seem to feel the same way. Yeah. I will say, though, the guy that played the distraught father at one point mentions that he's 45 years old. Yeah, that uh, would. Yeah, it, it pulls you out a little bit. A little, a little bit. bit uh, right. He's either he's lived hard or he's no 45. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's a you know really picking a small point out of overall characterizations, which right. I agree are very strong. And you know what else I, I like about this movie? A lot of times in horror films, you'll find uh, sort of this concept of the fractured fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And actually, we're totally going to do a podcast on fractured fairy tale horror at some point. But w- this one is more subtle and in some ways, I think, more powerful because of the way, obviously, it's called Big Bad Wolves, mm-hmm. but little things, there's a red shoe someplace, there's a trail of candy into the woods, just little things that keep bringing you back to this sort of broken, horrifying childhood world. But in, in maybe a little more direct nod, there's the part where the dad reads from a story. Right, exactly. No, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they weave it in, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that is just fascinating. Yeah. It's very effective film and like you said the filmmakers have taken a big step up in their prowess yes so it's definitely a couple couple of guys a couple of writers and directors to keep an eye on and uh you know that's maybe all we should say about this one as well and let's get back in there and prime our crowd to see it as we said it's the same filmmakers that did rabies Mm -hmm. and it's got that it's more suspenseful but it's got that dark humor going on yeah very 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 it's disturbing I, th- I mean, to me, when I saw it the first time, I found it a little alarming how frequently I wanted to laugh because the subject matter couldn't be any darker, but the delivery is pitch perfect. And, you know, if you've seen a Serbian film, this, by the way, has bears, like, really no relation to the Serbian film. Don't run screaming. <laughs> I was going to say, you want people to head for the right. exit? No, no. <laughs> but uh, it is similar in that it is a reaction from a country frequently at war mm-hmm. about what it's like to live as a nat- normal citizen after you've already behaved in a certain way. So it, you know, it, it doesn't take it to the extremes that a Serbian film does, but I think that that is a really strong theme throughout this film, not only in terms of sort of what somebody could bring themselves to do, but also how futile that is, how it does not serve any purpose other than your own bloodlust. Yeah, I think that's a good point, and I think that's a, a point that's often 
overlooked about a Serbian film, the themes that work there. That's about all we're going to say about this yep. one. We're going to enjoy it here just a little bit. Big Bad Wolves at number three. Moving up to number two, a movie from just last year out of Iran. A mother and a daughter struggle to cope with the terrors of the post-revolution war-torn Tehran of the 1980s, and a mysterious evil begins to haunt their home. It's called Under the Shadow. <laughs> When I first saw this movie, I was reminded of The Babadook. It reminds you a great deal of The Babadook. It's a, it's a single mother struggling to sort of be a good parent to this child who is irritating as shit um, for a lot of reasons. And then there is this dark, sinister something that is kind of infiltrating their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I love The Babadook. I think it is an absolutely brilliant movie. Agreed. What this movie does with those same themes, though, is makes them so jarringly socially relevant. Yeah, because this one uses war as the backdrop, uh, which The Babadook really doesn't. No. But it uses, it's in similar, it uses these themes in a similar way. And this is one I remember we were tipped off to this movie. By Jason from here at the Gateway. Senior filmmaking correspondent Jason Tostman. That's right. When we had him on to talk about, I think it was we were at the half year mark right. of 2016. And he mentioned one that he had seen, this movie that we hadn't seen yet. So when we got around to seeing it, we, go, we were like, okay, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's incredibly impressive. And so the woman's husband is a doctor and has been sent for part of his military duty. So he's going to be gone for a while. The woman was in medical school. But after 1988 and the cultural changeover, she was not allowed to return to medical school because of her political affiliations. And so she is home caring for their, their daughter when bombs are dropping through Tehran. And a bomb lands in the roof of their apartment building. So it doesn't go off. It's very reminiscent of Devil's Backbone, where it's, just, it's almost, it, well, it is a ticking time bomb. It's just right. this, this movie is so heavy with symbols without ever feeling heavy with symbols, you know? It's incredibly well put together. But for me, the thing that's the most menacing is that regardless of the fact that there may or may not be a demon in this woman's house, that is not the most dangerous presence in her life. And right. I think that they make that point really beautifully. And also the other thing that I think is is most maybe compelling, the most maybe compelling imagery in the film is that this ghost, this demon... It's this flapping fabric that eventually you can see takes the shape of a burqa. Mm-hmm. So, so really what they're saying I, to me is if this mother doesn't figure out how to get her shit together, it really is her daughter's future that she is damning. And I think that that was just really powerful without kind of overwhelming or kind of preachifying the film. Yeah, and it's one that really proves the point that you brought up in the beginning talking about how it's nice to see these movies coming from a different area and from different cultures. Right. And this story is very much shaped by the culture that it came from. Yes. And makes it very, very effective. I agree. Really like Under the Shadow, which is interesting because I guess I fought to not have this one be number one. That's true. <laughs> Originally, Hope had it penciled in at number one. I and did. that kind of raised my eyebrow because of the one that is at number one. Because, and he pointed out to me, so the one that is at number one, we prefer as a film... But I didn't give it full point credits because even though it is in Persian from an Iranian director, it was filmed in the United States. 
And he said, do you like it better or do you not like it better? So <laughs> I said, it's either going to be on the, the countdown or not. Uh, I won that. So yay for me at least once. So, yeah, this is the in the Iranian ghost town of Bad City, a place that reeks of death and loneliness. The townspeople are unaware that they are being stalked by a lonesome vampire from 2014 from Iran and the U.S. A girl walks home alone at night. talked about this movie before yeah many um, times i think it, longtime yeah. listeners will know yeah that right. we talked about this and also just on a lily amapur this was her feature b- debut as writer and director and and just really predicted glorious results and we also have talked about her second film her follow-up bad batch mm-hmm. a lot of times well just it was in the food countdown yeah it was mm-hmm. that's right an extremely impressive debut i mean her, her vision the way that she sets up shots, the way her vision is realized yeah. is really stunning for a for a first-time filmmaker. And it really, I think, it's funny because it kind of marries Western pop cultural imagery with, well, with Middle Eastern imagery. The way that the vampire floats around with her, uh, especially on the, on the, we've said this before. The skateboard. On the skateboard. That is the greatest what image. What a great image. Ever. Yeah. But at the same time, it's got a very Jim Jarmish feel about it. You know, it's like they're playing Bowie in the background and there's like Madonna posters hanging. Everything's in black and white with the stationary camera when they're But that's indoors. the cool thing because they're not really Madonna posters. Uh, that's Remember? right. You look at the posters and most of them are imitation posters that that's look right. very much so, which kind of gives the whole thing just a, a another element of it being just a little off. Yeah, yeah, that, they, that there's a sort of a... a Fun artificiality about the whole thing, and and it's also it's a little bit of a western. It's I mean everything yeah. about it is just stylish and fascinating, and at the same time though it tells a really sad and lovely story. I don't I mean it's hard I think at this point in history to make a fresh vampire movie. It is yeah, and she did it. She did in such in such glorious fashion, so that as much as. The Bad Batch is not a bad movie. It's, it was a bit of a disappointment it's after true. this. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. Yeah, she uh, she had a high, set a high bar with this one. Uh, also, I mean, all of the performances are great, truly. I really love all the performances, which is not that many. I mean, it's a pretty small cast. But Sheila Vand, who plays the vampire, mm-hmm. is just, just, you know, mesmerizing to the degree that apparently our son and all of his roommates just talked about her incessantly for weeks after they watched this movie. <laughs> so, And it's the first vampire story to be set in the Middle Eastern setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only a, a movie that makes this list of uh, burgeoning Middle Eastern horror, but to actually be set there, right? Uh, no matter where it was filmed. So yeah, it's impressive in so many ways. And that's another one that really benefits from a big screen viewing. Because it's get one. gorgeous. It is just gorgeous. It's a gorgeous movie. So fantastic. If we got to get out of here and make room for the movie you're going to watch tonight, but, yeah, that's number one after a little arm twisting by me. You're welcome. <laughs> a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, number one on our list of Middle Eastern horror. So get back at us with your thoughts. Um, Twitter is the best way to do that. We're at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, yes. I just wanted to say real quick, the next podcast by popular demand, Anthologies. You're welcome. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, the director who made the lovely uh, festival favorite, Romeo's Distress, Jeff Frumess is going to be our co-host on that yeah. podcast. We met so him at cool. uh, Nightmares Film Festival. Great guy. One of the many great filmmakers we, we met there. And he's he's actually excited to come on. Which he is. is. 
We appreciate that. Yeah, and we, there could be serious arguments over that. Nice. This is a contentious category for me. <laughs> well, um, it'll, it'll, that'll be good, though. Sometimes conflict is good. And the next Fright Club Live is Wednesday, December 13th. We're going to show Frailty, which is another glorious, gorgeous movie. And I'm really excited to see it Bill on Paxton directing. Bill Paxton, that's right. The podcast is going to be... Uh, Horror movies with a divine mission. All right. So that's good stuff coming up again. Twitter, also, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Mad Wolf Columbus. Always glad to hear from you. And you can check out our other weekly podcast where we deal with all the new movies coming out uh, on in theaters and on home video, regardless of genre. And that is to be found on demand at the screening room podcast.com. So you can check that out as well. All right. We've got a movie to show here in just a couple of minutes. Until next time, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Save the